Welcome to the PEBC podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I will be hosting our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with various authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work has influenced the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we'll explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment cultivate student agency and understanding for each and every learner. Thank you so much for listening in. Today, Dr. Andra Brill is joining us to talk about community and the importance of supporting the social and emotional well-being of students and teachers. Andra is an independent education consultant who strives to elevate the necessity of social and emotional learning, equitable literacy practices for all students, and culturally responsive leadership. Andra, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michelle. It's lovely to be here. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you're here. I know that social and emotional well-being is one area that you have so much energy for and so much passion for, but you also work in a lot of other areas in education. So I wonder if we could start off today by hearing a little bit about your work and your background. Sure. So, I mean, I started my first experience in teaching. Like I always, I always start with the fact that like I was that teacher. I was a hot mess. And I was hired to be a bilingual teacher because I spoke Spanish and ha- didn't have any clue what I was doing. So um, all that to say, like, I have hung in there and I've worked really, really hard to figure it all out. So, you know, over the, over the last couple of decades, I've worked really hard in biliteracy. Um, I'm really passionate about cultural responsive teaching and after, you know, after everything that's going on this summer, really thinking about anti-oppression um, teaching and and how do we how do we use our cultures to actually connect rather than using them to to isolate and push people away so and that and then also tons of work around mindfulness and SEL yeah great well today I would love for us to hone in on the idea of fostering communities that support both the emotional well-being of students but also their academic needs. And so when we think about the PEBC teaching framework, I know that you are familiar with the work of the PEBC and familiar with that framework. And community community is basically one of the cornerstones that without a strong community, we can't engage in a workshop, we can't have meaningful discourse, um, we can't plan for our students if we don't know them well. It's hard to assess where they are. And those thinking strategies need that strong basis in order for students to take risks and engage in that kind of metacognition. So today, I would love to love to tap into your rich background and your expertise to talk about community and ways in which to support community, especially as we all head into a really disrupted school year. Sure. Sure. The thing I'm hearing and noticing, uh, especially in you know the media feeds, is SEL is everywhere. The, you know, as the acronym SEL, social emotional learning, there are a lot of blogs, a lot of podcasts, and not to belittle the topic or the term at all, it is becoming a bit of a buzzword. It's kind of floating around everywhere. So when thinking in terms of your work, can you help us define social emotional learning and wellness and share why it matters so much for students and teachers right now? Sure. So, I mean, we can all get onto the castle. C-A-S-E-L website, and they're really, they're the pioneers, right? So when they define social-emotional learning, they've got five areas of self-awareness, self-management, 
decision-making, relationship skills, and social awareness. And, and I find that like, even when we talk about those five things, right now, it all seems really disembodied. And so for me, what I've been thinking about a lot and trying to make it as simple as possible is how do we, well, there are two different things. So on one hand, the really, the really easy way to th- remember it is how am I taking care of myself? How am I taking care of others? And how are we all taking care of each other in our environment, right? Our spaces. Like those are, those are the three main things. Um, and then as we unpack those pieces, we actually get to the different levels of social emotional com- competencies and what kids need to learn and what we want. We as adults want to be competent. And then SEL is the social emotional learning. It's what we want kids to learn, uh, the skills we want them to learn. But the other, so one way is to think about myself, others, the environment, and how are we taking care of those three things. And then on the other hand, just in terms of trying to keep it simple, it's this idea of um, of gentleness and grace right now, right? Like there's so much going on and there's so much emotions. And I mean, I think of SEL as being, as being closely connected to emotional intelligence and how do we... What do we know about how emotions work? How do we how do we deal with our own emotions? How do we deal with big emotions, whether they're our big emotions or someone else's big emotions? Right now, there are big emotions sort of in society, right? Like there are these huge rifts and people with different opinions. And so the whole, for me right now, SEL is like getting clear about how am I feeling? What's going on for me? And then being curious about how other people are doing and what's going on for them. And then you know, in, in my community, how am I helping or what am I, are there ways that I can actually make the situation better? So I think those three things and gentleness and grace, that's what I would, that's kind of what I'm going back to right now. Thank you so much. I think that really synthesizes so much work, but also puts it in the context for right now, especially when we're thinking about schools and we're thinking about teachers and leaders and families and caregivers. I know you've written a lot about and schools, schools that support social emotional well-being and academic achievement. And as we head into the 2021 school year, um, you know, we know that every single family is faced with some really tough choices right now. Um, you know, going kind of the back to school, if you will, looks and sounds a lot different. And there's some tough choices. There's a lot of change. There's uncertainty. Like you said, there's social unrest and upheaval. There's some economic pressures um, that are very, very real for families right now. And I was reading one of your most recent blogs, and I just want to quote you. You wrote, to continue to operate in crisis mode with a conscious goal of getting through until we get back to normal is likely to perpetuate issues of student disengagement, inequality, and anxiety that existed before the pandemic. So I'm wondering, given the uncertainty of the structure of school, there's remote, there's virtual, there's hybrid, there's socially distant, there's potting, there's people who are becoming homeschoolers for the very first time. How can teachers and school leaders intentionally foster classroom communities that support students' social and emotional well-being? How can we go beyond crisis teaching? Right. So I think, I mean, I think part of it is just to sort of name the context right now. Like you so beautifully named it. And I would add that really what I'm noticing is that there's just this huge level of fear, 
right? And it's mm-hmm. fear that comes from either all the ambiguity that you named or and the complete lack of control, right? So there are there's so much that we don't have control over, including just information, right? Like we just don't have the information we really like nobody has like a clear this is this will keep everybody safe go with my blessing like that would be awesome but that's not happening so my what i what i think so the first thing that i think needs to happen is really to name for for right for our so starting with ourselves like how am i doing what are the things that are getting like what are the things that are really keeping me up at night and then moving from like, what am I afraid of and what's really bugging me to this idea of what do I have control over and what do I not? And I think that piece of here are the things that I can control and then getting really clear, like, these are things I don't have control over. And I'm not going like, I'm not going to have control over knowing how many kids are in my kids class this year. I'm not going to have control over knowing who's going to teach her if she's online 100% this year. I, there, there are just certain things I won't have control over. And I could spend lots of time being really anxious about that. And I have actually spent a lot of time being anxious about that. But it doesn't do me any good. And so thinking, thinking, taking all of that and thinking about teachers and school leaders, I think the place to start is really where, how are you doing right now? Where are you right now? What are the things that are keeping you up and where are the places where you feel like you do have some control? So that's the first piece. And then the the second part of it is taking care of each other and checking in with each other. So checking in with ourselves and then checking in with other people, I think is really, is, I I think it's the only way to start Mm -hmm. because there's just so much going on. And I think that's the way we're going to build community with our kids too, knowing that everyone has had a different experience in the last four months or five months, I guess it's been now. Absolutely. And I think that's interesting because, you know, we are having our conversation. Today's the last day of July of 2020. And the information changes almost 24 to 72 hours. So the teachers I've been coaching and, and meeting with and, you know, having virtual conversations with are definitely feeling the fear of the unknown um, the fear for personal safety for their students and for themselves. Yeah. I think what you mentioned is really important. What is really, really bugging me or what's really keeping me up at night? And then what can I control? And I think that is really helpful in terms of of moving forward, especially when we don't have a lot of information. So as teachers and school leaders move forward into perhaps a virtual space or a hybrid space, and they're really thinking about how do we create this community for our learners, what what needs to be in place or what might teachers begin to consider as we get going into August and as schools you know, begin to, school is going to start, there's going to be a first day of school soon. What can educators do specifically to support student wellness in terms of environment? So I've been thinking a lot about this. And I've been thinking, I mean, I've been thinking about this for several months now. And, um, you know, the, the thing that comes up for me, and I understand it's really hard for teachers, but given all the uncertainty, what you do have control over is like, making plans that you could do either online or in person. And so if it were me, I would be thinking about what am I going to do online 
that I could then elaborate on in person, knowing that it's going to be both rather than my usual, like, this is what I do in person and shoot, how am I going to get it online? Because I think, mm-hmm. I think trying to do it, trying to go from what we do in person to online sort of keeps us in the same boxes of what we habitually do in person. And it, it can stifle us. And so coming out of that and being like, okay, so now I have online and starting with the online piece. And again, I, you know, I always go back to the backwards design, but there's so many cool things that you can do online um, to think about it as an opportunity. So given that it could be online, then, then how would I do this in my classroom? I think just sort of shakes up the way that we think about things and, um, and offers more possibility. Mm. So, and, and again, in terms of what we can control, that's something that we really can control. Mm -hmm. So really that idea of being an intentional planner, but rather than, you know, kind of that quote that I just read from one of your previous blogs, rather than kind of waiting for things to change, it sounds like you're advocating to take a little action. And think about what can I do in a remote setting that maybe I couldn't have done before, or what do I want to try, or kind of building off the successes of the spring, what worked exactly. well, and then thinking about, you know, eventually we should return to kind of a brick and mortar classroom situation. And so then how can those ideas and those constructs transfer? So really you're thinking about teacher efficacy and empowerment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think the three things that are going to be most important this year are going to be our relationships with each other. So everything we just talked about, right? How do I take mm-hmm. care of myself? How do I take care of other people? Um, how do I take care of our environment? Whether we're in person or online, what does that mean to, to be respectful online together? Um, I think routines are going to be hugely important. So again, this is a place to think about what are the routine, what are the, how do I help my students how do I help my teachers be organized online so that it so that we're not we're not spinning our wheels? I always think about it in terms of content and process. So you could spin your wheels around the process, like which app am I using? And this is like all the stuff we we dealt with in the in the spring, right? Like the process or the how we're gonna do it. But if you get really clear about that ahead of time, then you can spend most of your time on the content. And so I think that's sort of, that's another way to think about it is um, uh, thinking about like what routines, what are the routines that are super important to you in the classroom? And then how are you, what are the routines that are going to be really helpful online? And then creating something that you can, that you can easily go back and forth from one to the other. So it doesn't actually feel like a whole new thing when you get, if here I know a lot of folks are going to be starting online. So something that you can start online that you can then, when you show up in person, be like, oh, we're going to do the same kind of morning meeting or the same sort of check-in or the way we used to write letters to each other online, we're going to write little notes to each other in person. Like, I think that that ability to... So again, the places that you have choice and that you have control are around your routines and what you set up in the beginning and your relationships and how you set those up. And then the last piece of that that's going to be really important is the reflection piece and getting feedback also from kids and staff, right? So whoever you're working with, you're, the idea of asking for feedback, like, how's it going? We're, we're all swimming in the deep end, right? This is still, 
still new territory for all of us. And so it's okay to say, we're going to prototype this for two weeks and then we're going to check in. How did it go? What, could we, what worked well? What could we do better? Okay, let's tweak it a little bit and try again. And, um, and so there's a little bit of tension between routines and prototyping, right? Like routines, you're like, I just wanted to do it this way every day. Mm-hmm. And prototyping is like, wait, we got to tweak it. And so that is, a, that is part of the ambiguity that's making people anxious. And I think it's the reality. And I think when we sort of say like, that's really, that's the water we're swimming in. Let's figure it out together with, again, going back to some gentleness and grace for ourselves and for others, right? So going back to gentleness and grace right now, just to say like, this, it's hard for all of us. It's hard, no one's got it figured out. And if, if we used to say that about education writ large, like it's even more true today. <laughs> Absolutely. But you just named three areas that I think teachers and school leaders can kind of get their minds away in a concrete way. Because that's the other thing I'm noticing, that when we're asked at any situation to be extremely flexible and have a very high level of craft and creativity, that sometimes we need concrete ideas or a concrete foundation. It almost taps into the brain research around predictable structures. Absolutely. That if I have a predictable container, if I have a predictable structure, I have so many more neural pathways that I can use for other kinds of thinking and work. Absolutely. And I think online, it's even more important just to say, like, we are going to spend an hour together. For example, we're going to spend an hour together online. We are always going to start with some little um, connecting piece. We're going to have like a little bit of time to to break out and talk to each other or to type some notes in the chat box and just see where everybody is, depending on the size of your group. We're going to have some online experience together based on whatever we're doing, or I'm going to teach a little bit. There's, you know, if you have a predictable structure, whether it's online, in person or online, absolutely, it's going to, it's going to allow everyone to sort of relax a little bit and be, be, be ready to, to learn new things. Cause otherwise really what happens is you're, I mean, if you want to talk about the brain science, right? Like your amygdala, mm-hmm. the part of your, the amygdala, there's a part of your brain called the amygdala. It has one job. It's one job is, am I safe yes. right now? Nobody feels safe. So like the amygdala is firing when the amygdala fires your prefrontal cortex, where all of this lovely SEL stuff and your um, executive function lives, all of that goes offline, like not offline entirely, but it becomes really hard to problem solve. It becomes really hard to make decisions. It becomes really hard to be empathetic. So just remembering that like when we can sort of create rituals and structures to calm down that poor little amygdala that's like trying to keep us safe, then we can be available to have to connect and have conversations and think about each other and and do all the th- be show up in the ways that we want to show up for each other. Andre, you just did such a beautiful job of like really describing not only what's going on in my head, but probably millions of other people's, but really that, you know, the, um, I never can say it right. Amygdala. Amygdala hijack. Yes. I think is what you're talking about, right? Like our brains have literally been hijacked as have the brains of our students. And so if we can create predictable safe spaces for learning, not only for teachers, but for students, that's a huge benefit. Sure. And, you know, I've been coaching a lot of teachers and talking to them about, you know, how are they going to start their year? And something that you're making me think about is really playing to our strengths. 
This is the time to play to your strengths. And so what we what we've developed and curated and created over years as educators, especially teachers who really gravitate towards the workshop model, you can still use those same constructs in a virtual or online setting. And again, then it seems to me that that would, in some ways, you know, de-escalate some of the stress. Yeah. Yeah, that's a better word. And then be able to create those rituals and routines in my virtual classroom the same way I would in my own classroom. And that could be things like playing a transition song or playing music, Um, thinking about what's behind me, what would my classroom environment look like, and how can I create that for my students so they have kind of almost a concrete kind of connection. Sure. To that what learning visual space. cues? So I mm-hmm. did, I know that there are some uh, kindergarten teachers who created backgrounds for themselves with, you know, with a lot of the the visual support that exists in their classrooms. They created it at home for themselves so that students would would see that and be like, oh look, there's the calendar that we always use, and oh look, there, you know, are high frequency words. And so we we talk about that in the real world, right? Like how important the visual cues are for kids to go back to. And we can, there are ways to create that online. And the other thing that you said that really, I think is also sort of like one of the big takeaways is this is, this isn't, it's hard enough as it is like the growth area for all of us this year is trying to stay sane and figure out whether we're teaching in-person hybrid or online. Like that's, that's the big grow for all of us. So this is not the year to like try huge new things, but to think about like, what are the things that really work for me? Like, and maybe even sit down and make a list. Like these are the things that I love doing in my classroom. And maybe it's like five or 10 things, right? Like not a huge list, but like, these are the things that are really important. And then how am I going to do these specific things online? And then pick one or two, depending where you are in your development, but one or two or three sort of online tools that you might want to try out, whether it's a poll app that will help you take polls, or whether it's a whiteboard app that will let all your students write on the whiteboard, or or something like Google slide presentations. But I think it's, like, it's not about a lot. It's about like picking a few and getting really clear about it and helping kids, your students become really clear about it so that they can feel successful and their amygdalas can calm down as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So absolutely. It's simplicity. I think it's all about simplicity this year. Absolutely. And building those routines. I mean, I am a Ron Richard junkie. I love all of his work and his writing, but that idea of, you know, creating routines, they're scaffolds for thinking. And they allow us to do our very, very best work in thinking when we're not trying to just, like you said, figure out the process. If it's a new app every day or if it's a new process, I'm spending so much energy trying to be successful as a learner with the actual process. Right, with the technology. Yeah. Rather than being able to focus on the ideas. And so just being really gentle. I mean, my experience is that I mean, I've been joking lately that um, Zoom hours are like dog years because like one hour of <laughs> one hour of Zoom time feels like four hours in my in my brain, right? And so 
So to, when I think about that, it's like, okay, so how do like really small pieces and getting really clear about what is, what is absolutely essential for my kids to, my students to walk away with, because it, it, all the talking that I can do in real life, I actually cannot do online because I will, we'll all lose our minds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, we talk about kiddos who are in schools and, you know, spending their days listening and being passive. And the disengagement factor that certainly will happen in a virtual classroom very quickly, I believe. If 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 our auditory and visual load is so big that we don't have any space for thinking or talking, that will just be really detrimental, I think, to students and to teachers. I think it'll be exhausting. Well, and I think the other piece about, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about student engagement because I know that is has that is sort of the big issue when we're online. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, more than ever, I think that really um, signals that it's about inviting students in to make choices about what and how they're learning. So whether this is um, project-based learning or, um, or student-led learning, whatever you want to call it, but I think it's really the time to, to give kids more um, say and more agency, or I mean, kids have their own agency, but really to give them space to play with that agency so that they're actually, there's a reason for them to turn the computer on because otherwise, otherwise we're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. So that idea of rituals and routines, knowing what to expect, you mentioned creating relationships and it sounds like we were just kind of knocking on the door of thinking about relevancy and yes. tasks that matter for kids. Yeah. So let's, in terms of relationships, uh, I know a lot of teachers shared that students were really chatty in class, great discourse, fun rapport, came in with all sorts of energy. And then once we switched to virtual, they weren't sure how to interact with one another as much. And the relationship felt different with the barrier of the screen. As we think about moving either into socially distant classrooms that are in person, but we're all six feet apart or wearing masks, mm-hmm. or a hybrid situation where you might see your teacher, you know, maybe once a week, or a full remote situation, when you think about relationships, what are a couple of ideas that teachers might want to think about or chew on about how can I form relationships in this new landscape? So one of the things I read recently in the last couple of days was really about um, what did he call it? It was like, um, I don't want to say it was, it wasn't uh, it was like about five, just take five minutes or like, but the idea was like in the beginning of the class to take five minutes, whatever, whatever's going on and just schmooze with your kids, right? Like just as they walk in the door, how's it going? And, does it always take five minutes? No, it could take two minutes. It could take seven minutes. But the idea being that this year in particular, I know in the past we're like instructional minutes and you know making sure <laughs> sense of urgency. And I'm I'm down with all of that. That's all good stuff. And I think this year is the year where we're going to have to say no. We need to start every time with like five minutes of like, and maybe it's like just if you're in person, it's in person. If you're online, it's you know write down like one thing that you know, that's new today, or what are you thinking about? Or how are you doing? Or having little questions for, for students, depending on their level, but having a way for them to check in with you in real time. Mm -hmm. It also makes me think about um, sort of smaller groups of students and how do we 
check in with kids, um, you know, ideally checking in with kids one-on-one for a few minutes in real time. This year is going to be even more important than ever. Just like, how are you today? How's it going? How, what? And so here's the, the social emotional learning part. What are you feeling in your body? Mm. Right? So that's the question. What do you, not like, how are you like good or bad? Like that's how we usually walk through life. But this year it's going to be like, what are you noticing in your body? Are there places where you're tense? Are there places where it's numb? Uh, is there a tingling sensation? Do you, you know, where are you holding on to, to all the emotions? Because there are, it, everyone's feeling all the emotions. There's no way to escape it. Mm-hmm. So that question about like, how are you doing? How are we doing? Um, so check, so again, like classroom check-ins, what does that look like in person and online? Individual check-ins on person and online. Small group check-ins on person and, in person and online. Um, and, and actually there, I mean, maybe there's a way we can link up, but like there are lots of resources out there around like, here's an activity that you could do with your kids to, you know, um, like lists of what's your favorite flavor from, from everything from like, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream to, you know, how are you going to be a helper? You need to come up with a project that's going to help somebody else either in your house or in your neighborhood or in real time or virtually, but come up with a project that's a helping project. And then let's talk about that. So I just, I think there are, I mean, part of it is that, on, there's so much content being produced and pushed out online right now. Mm-hmm. That it's completely overwhelming. So I think, you know, I would, I would make a pitch for PEBC as a good place to go when you want like a few good resources. And if you don't want to be completely overwhelmed as, oh, as a starting you. point. And I think it's been interesting to talk to our lab host teachers because they are, you know, some of these lead learners in the field and, they're crying out, trying out some crazy ideas and having great results. Uh, I know one teacher who modified Cristovani's conversation calendars, and her and her students are having this back and forth conversation. I know another teacher who's setting up um, virtual classroom visits or home visits, so through FaceTime and things like that. But I think what you mentioned about just that time to schmooze just like we would at the beginning of the year, really getting to know our kids. You know, as a secondary middle school teacher, I really enjoyed watching my kids in action in the hallway and in the cafeteria, right? I love to see them in their natural habitat. Like, what do they look like? Who are their friends? Who are they hanging out with? How do they put their backpack away? Can they really do their own lockers? All of that was so important for me at the beginning of the school year. And I'm going to need that schmoozing and connecting time. And, And And yeah. And connecting with families, I think, is going to be huge, huge. So I think the virtual home visits or, I mean, I think virtual home visits probably are the best way to do it just so that we can try, as as difficult as it is to be online, but to try to connect as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap up today, I don't want to neglect um, the reality that teachers and school leaders and families and students really are all starting off the school year in a different kind of tired than they usually are in August. Um, you know, I know that when you go to your, your, you know, child's school for the ice cream social and you get to meet the teachers and you drop off your school supplies and the energy is just resonating 
right? Or if you go, if you have a secondary student and you're going to schedule a pickup, you know, there are these rituals and routines that mark the beginning of our school year. And as a parent and an educator, when I go to those kinds of events, you always see the tired eyes of the teachers who've been there just for the last week or so and thinking all summer about what they want to do as learners. And, you know, the principals have been reworking those master schedules and those class lists and a million meetings. But behind those tired eyes or actually in front of them is this excitement and this energy. This year, educators are starting off the year with a different energy and a different, a different kind of tired. And so when we think about the social, social and emotional needs of our teachers, our paraprofessionals, our staff in the office, our school leaders, our dear, dear friends who support the cafeteria, our bus drivers who are in charge of transportation, our crosswalk volunteers. When we think of all of those adults that are helping keep the schools run and keep them work, how do we take care of each other and ourselves? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that is, in my mind, that really is the question right now, right? So we all have quarantine fatigue. We do, like it's, you can, like the psychological journals are writing about it all over the place, but it's a real thing. So the fact that there are days when like, it's hard to like move or get things done, or there are days where just, you know, going shopping feels insurmountable, or that we just feel tired. Like these are all real psychological experiences brought on by the fact that even even for those of us who who aren't completely stressed out like it's still exhausting mm-hmm. and so what you're talking about is um is the fact that like we and you and I have even talked about it just like there are good days and bad days or moments even right like so within mm-hmm. a day you could be like oh my gosh it's the first day and I'm really excited and you know 45 minutes later like you could just be really it's just hard. It's just that the energy level is not the same as it is in regular years. And so I go back to that idea of gentleness, right? Gentleness, like knowing that that's true for myself. And that's, you know, again, this idea of normally I do all these, I do all the things, right? Normally I like write letters to my parents and I've got stuff for the kids and I'm prepared with X, Y, and Z and all the things and I've all this energy. And this year you might not feel it and it's okay, right? We're in a different kind of space. It's okay to give yourself permission to have a little bit less energy. And it's okay to talk to other people and give them permission to have a little bit less energy. And it's okay to just say, wow, like, you know, my, we talk, my two favorite questions are like, how are you doing? And what do you need? Right? Like, so you could ask that to yourself even like, this is hard. It doesn't feel good. What do I need right now? Like, do I need a cup of coffee? Do I need to take a walk around the block? Do I need to, I mean, do I need to talk to somebody who can help me think about these things? So that's again, like ask yourself first, and then you can start being gentle and have some grace with the people around you. Like, how are you doing? And what do you need? Mm -hmm. How can I support you? Right? Like, I think that's, that's, I think those questions are always good. And I think this year it's just, that's where we want to start. And, and starting with the idea, one principal I spoke with um, recently talked about this idea that schools really are places of healing right now. And, it's, and that is such a lovely idea. And I think these, the fear and the questions of safety 
on one hand and this idea of healing on the other hand feel a little feel like they're a little bit in opposition to me. Mm-hmm. So so just naming that, like of course we all want to make this as safe as possible for ourselves and each other. And like it's hard. And we're gonna just be gentle with it as we as we as we make you know, go figure out what this new start of the year looks like. Let's just be gentle with each other. Let's just continue to check in with each other and just, and, and ask each other how we're doing and what we need. Andre, that's beautiful. That's the, those are two questions that I think that we can all apply in so many contexts of our lives as educators and community members. And as you said, you know, that idea of knowing about yourself and others in your environment, I can apply those questions. Really and, and yeah, so when we talk about social emotional learning, it is really the self awareness. It is really a social awareness, and it is about decision making and problem solving. and And this year, it's about having a little bit of sort of softness around it and a little bit of space, more so than we might normally. So, Andra, one last question: As we wrap up today, what are your hopes for the twenty twenty one school year? <sighs> Um, I, I really hope that we are kind and gentle to ourselves and to each other. Um, I know that it's, that it's there. I know that there are so many challenges that are in place right now. And my hope is that even given these challenges, we can, we can hold on to hope and optimism and use it as a way to create new, exciting experiences for ourselves and, and those around us and our students. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. It's such yeah. a pleasure to talk with you, Michelle. It's always great to see you, Andrea. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together bolstered your agency and understanding. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and works locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding, as described in Wendy Ward-Hoffer's newest book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.